From the brake pad division of Callahan Auto, it's the IGN Digigods. And now, two guys who've never went cow tipping before, it's Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. And we are back in the sweltering Southern California heat. Uh, Corey, to whom do we owe that uh, very astute and clever opening? That was written by Brian Swagel. Rhymes with bagel. Probably not a Jew, though. Could be a Jew. I'm a Jew. <laughs> There's nothing more enjoyable than seeing what Corey will come up with when he ad-libs. He's wacky. I, it's just a lot He's of fun. He's wacky. It's a lot uh, of fun. Wait, no one cares. This, what is with this heat? Seriously, it's May. What's the deal? It's three what did degrees you do? cooler than hell. What did you do? I don't know. I don't like it. Anything over 65 it's degrees your, and I get ornery. It's your fault. So wait, I have this Kindle, right? I have this Kindle. Oh gosh! So I'm deciding if I should buy. Let me see that. Huh? I love this thing. Give me that thing. Give me that thing. Give me that thing. Well, hang on. Wait, wait, hang on. Well, you have to. You don't know how to use it. I know how to use a Kindle. Do you really? I do. Do you have a Kindle? I have Kindle software on uh, just about everything I own. So I bought Twelve Years a Slave. Yes, you did. Right. Mm -hmm. The book, which is amazing. That's that's not sure what led you for. It is not. No. Uh, But the book is amazing. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. So I'm deciding what to buy next, and I think I might buy Gone Girl. Now, the reason why I might buy Gone Girl... Have you Girl, watched the trailer? Well, I'm not... It's I'm, like the cliff notes for the movie, well, like for, for the book. It's, you're, well, you're, you've, here, seen well, the tra- you've seen the trailer, you don't need to read the book. Well... You've seen the trailer, you don't, need to read the, you don't need to see the movie. Well, that's not true. Well, here's why I would like to buy the book. Yes. Supposedly, the book is amazing. Right. That's why I like to buy the book. The reason why I don't want to buy the book is because then I'll know what's going to happen in the movie, and it is the David Fincher movie. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, do I want to spoil a David Fincher movie, or do I want to experience the original source material, which is supposedly amazing? I'm not sure. Plus, it's also $9. All right. Wait, we're doing a show. Will you I stop studying the Kindle? Okay. Yeah, I, I'm just noticing here. Customers who bought this book also bought... The Nazi officer's wife. Oh, you kidding? I'm Little on, girl lost. The book thief. Wow. Auschwitz. Wow. Orphan train. Wait, like, wait, just, wait, 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 wait. Does Gone Girl have to do with the Holocaust? No, but no. I'm saying Twelve Years a Slave. Oh, Twelve Years. It's a just slave. like it, it. Pretty much what they're saying is that anyone who bought Twelve Years a Slave also bought a whole lot of horrible books about the history's worst events <laughs> because these people love to punish themselves. They're all masochists. Awesome, man. This slavery book is great. I'm going to go dig up uh, the Holocaust. Maybe we'll get something on gulags it, 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 and then the killing fields. The way, and I, I'm going to go to town. Twelve Years is it's great. It's a great, great book. You know no, why? It because it, it it is a first person account. This happened to me. Like every yeah. time, every time there's any dialogue, like. You know, my master walked up to me and said, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of... It would, happened. It would be like gold. Because he actually... Here's the thing. Yeah. You know when you watch these, like, movies that take place in the 1800s yeah. or yeah. slavery? And everyone's talking like, uh, like uh, what's her name from uh, Gone with the Wind? Yeah. And you're like, that's just such a cliche. Yeah. You know, somehow Hollywood made that up. And Massa, yeah. Yeah. going to... Blah. You know what? That's how they spoke. I know. Because this guy, Solomon Northup, in this amazing book, 12 Years a Slave, he is giving you direct quotes from the other slaves, from the mm-hmm. masters he, uh, he, you know, who burdened him. There you and, go. Sort of, and that's how people really talked. I know. And it was unbelievable. So I, I would know. highly recommend uh, you buy 12 Years a Slave. Oh, awesome. well. We should, we should talk about, uh, apart from the heat. I'm going to buy Gongo right now on the you, show. You do that. You do that. And uh, as long as we've got the heat just melting us. Uh, the air conditioner's on. 
I know, but I'm just saying in Southern you California generally. Oh, I have ice cream for you. Oh, great. It's, I already had ice cream this evening. It's chocolate sorbet. It, it, it's just all I have is a little bit left of it because I need to get rid of it because I'm making, right now, I am making chocolate coconut sorbet. I had half a pint of ice cream after dinner. The other pint, the other half of the uh, the, uh, the half pint that I had yesterday. Okay, no one cares. Which is new you, from McConnell's. You know McConnell's in Santa Barbara. You, you I have opened Frickin up. Freaking love McConnell's. Okay, first of all, you just swore. Second of all, I have opened up yeah. your refrigerator, yeah. your freezer. Yeah. And when you open up your, <laughs> yeah, so. it is like it is like a McConnell's outlet store. <laughs> it's part. It's it, there's a, there's a lot of Häagen-Dazs. There's actually more Häagen-Dazs than McConnell's, but it's true. There's a lot of McConnell's in there. Yes, there is. Yeah. I, I, at any given time, we have usually between thirty and forty pints of ice cream in the in the freezer. So seriously, that's not a joke. No, it's not a joke. Thirty. I I, I, I must have. Said, I mean, I thought I, I figured it was about yeah. a couple dozen pints. No, it's, it's, it's between thirty and forty pints. Okay, why is that? Um, every time there's a sale at Gelson's, I can't control myself. All right, I'm buying Gone Girl right now. That's why. By the way, the, the other reason why I didn't want to buy Gone Girl is because it seems to be about a marriage, and because I'm not married and have never yeah. been married, I, I may not understand that as much. But it's a good, it's a good trailer, but I, I kind of, I get it. I'm talking about the book. Oh. Anyway, the point being, do you want the rest of the sorbet or not? Yeah, sure, why not? Of course not? you do. Of course. All right, I'm going to go get it. Yeah, That's fine. Because I'm, I'm making, I'm making right. chocolate coconut sorbet. Well, right then, now. then while you're doing that, uh, I'm going to burn through this stack real quickly. Uh, you know, a bunch of kind of uh, B movie type deals. Um, a lot of stuff that's uh, that we don't often have time to sort of focus on, but uh, some, you know, it's it's worth making a mention of for people who want to see something a little more exploitationy or whatever. Uh, from Screen Media Dark Side, their uh, their horror uh, line, we have the Gansfeld Haunting. Um, it's okay. Uh, it's a, you know it's a, it's another one of those deals where a bunch of students try to uh, think it, think we're going to have a game and we're going to you know uh, let's just let's just play at recreating something and it winds up uh, summoning ghosts and everything gets real spooky and and horrific. Um, you know standard kind of boilerplate. Uh, junk from Breaking Glass is pretty good. It's uh, it's very it's it's very tongue in cheek. It's very insightful, but it's basically about a uh, it's very kind of inside film school inside the uh, indie film biz, uh, and it uh, it's very cynical and very bitter. It, it, you know, it's if you if you have any experience with this world, um, this will be very therapeutic for you. And the nice thing is James Hong, who I haven't seen since reruns of Kung Fu, also shows up. So definitely check out Junk. And yeah, there's a whole marijuana angle to it. Yeah, uh, damn yeah. right. Which you know will play well in uh, Colorado. Uh, Sparks, the origin of Ian Sparks, based on the graphic novel. I've never heard of the graphic novel, but uh, there is one thing that's interesting about this. Um, and this takes place after a, a giant meteor has hit the Earth and uh, it creates this kind of X Men group that becomes kind of uh, known as the Rochester Thirteen. And uh, this guy Ian Sparks is is uh, you know. Sort of emerges as the uh, the dominant one. Anyway, um, it's pretty good for a lower level super wannabe superhero movie. Uh, the one thing that's interesting about it is that William Cat is in it, and I I just couldn't get past the fact. It's in Clint Howard is in this too, by the way. Yeah, but William Cat's in Tranya. it. Tranya. I can't look at Clint Howard without thinking of of Gentle Ben and Tranya. Tranya. That's all I can think of. This anyway, is William Tranya. Katz in this, and of course William Cat, the I original, like it as much as the I original greatest American hero, a superhero that uh, we don't give credit to often enough. Uh, the Suspect with Mackay Pfeiffer and William Sadler uh, is uh, also kind of boilerplate, but pretty generally pretty well done. Uh, written and directed by a guy named Stuart Connolly, 
and it's a it's a bank robbery uh, you know bank robbery kind of thriller. Um, the nice thing about this is that Mackay Pfeiffer is a really good actor, deserves better material than this, and so is William Sadler, who always gets saddlered with material like this. Um, it's just, a, it's, I, I, you know, I wish they'd do better stuff, but when they get stuck with stuff like this, they're like, okay, we're going to give it our all, and they, and they make it better. They make it better. Um, we've got, um, let's see, what else do I got here? Um, Riot, based on true events. Cannot imagine uh, how loosely this is. Anyway, uh, this is a... Uh, it's a riot movie, man. And, it, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I have to wonder, why would you just make a movie in which the whole point is to essentially stage a riot? There's, you know, there is, there is a personal uh, angle to it. There's a bit of a story, but it's not, it's not enough. It's just sort of like they wanted to stage a riot, and that's what they wanted to do. Uh, all Thanks to All Men uh, is a heist film that is better than it really ought to be because they really uh, secured a much, much better cast than they had any business securing. Um, it, it, this is okay. Uh, Gabriel Byrne, I'm getting sick of him. I'm really getting sick of him, uh, mostly thanks to Vikings. But uh, Rufus Sewell, who never really had the career that he deserved. Uh, Toby Stevens, good actor. And Julian Sands shows up again, the guy who was Mr. Camp from the 1980s. Not bad. Um, so it's a, it's a very decent kind of UK cast and uh, pretty well done all, all the way through. Uh, not the best script and, and, you know, could have used a little bit more money, but it's all right. Good cast. A uh, movie called Back in the Day. Uh, not, there, there are like 17 different movies called Back in the Day. Uh, this one is a uh, kind of a high school reunion type uh, just partying douchebag movie. That's all it is, really bunch of guys that you've never heard of. There's, there is no one of note in this, in this cast. They're all no names. And uh, they're just, uh, you know, getting together on their uh, 20th uh, high, school anniver- high school reunion. They're, and, man, they're just going to party. And that's it. And uh, it doesn't really... It wants to be kind of... Uh, it, it thinks that it's the big chill. Coming out, by the way, on uh, oh my God, Criterion. Are you excited or what? Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah, am, you betcha. Told, oh, by the way, do we, do we, have, uh, do we have the Criterion for... Um Ace in the Hole? Not yet. What? Not yet. I want it now. Well, it doesn't. When does it come out? Who cares? I want it. Why? Now. Why would you even ask me that? I mean, it's because I think it comes out now. Hold on. Hold on. No, Hang I'll on. do. You talk about crap that no one cares about. Hang on. I will confirm this. I will reconfirm this with the calendar. Yes. Meanwhile, um, across to Bear with uh, Danielle Deadweiler, Jackie Long, Kim Fields, and Melinda Williams. Kim Fields, who it's of course comes out today, May sixth. It's like uh, happening oh, right now. Oh man. Hold on, hold on. Uh, we're Ace in the Hole. Ace in the Hole. All right, I just bought Gone Girl. Uh, of course, it crashed my Kindle. Yeah, I had to restart Ace in the Hole. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let me see. Yeah, we are um, Ace in the Hole. We do not have Ace in the Hole. I'm wondering what the delay on that is. That's interesting. Uh, but here's the thing. You need to admit to the world that Ace in the Hole is worth buying. Because hmm. it is completely awesome. It is completely awesome. Yeah, I'm going to have to... Uh, we've, missed a f- we've actually missed a few criterions, and I'm going to have to follow up on that. Anyway. One of Billy Wilder's best films. Yep. Actually, Ace in the Hole was lost. It was kind of like kind of that, that lost um, Billy Wilder film that no one really talked about. Totally. And then totally. Criterion really rescued it. 
Anyway, a cross to bear uh, is, uh, is is actually pretty moving. Um, it's a it's a little bit uh, tawdry, a, a little tawdry. I shouldn't say tawdry. A little bit um, country, um, a little bit rock and roll. No, it's a little bit uh, maudlin. Not tawdry, but maudlin. Um, but it's uh, it's it is a uh, a story about uh, oh gosh, how do I do this without giving anything away? Um, it's it, it's tragedy. Let's just say it's a story about tragedy, about a young a young mother's tragedy. And uh, it's very sweet. And Kim Fields is quite good in it. And she doesn't hardly act anymore. Uh, you know, Kim Fields was on uh, Facts of Life. And then she went to Pepperdine University. And I was subjected to watching her as a news anchor on the university station every night. It well, was, you, you take the good, you take the bad. It was a lick. <laughs> Thank you. And then Black Coffee is one of those horrible, horrible films that... Uh, is getting released now that uh, Robert Johnson, the BET billionaire, now that he owns Image, he's just releasing these just, you know, it's like, let's just get a black cast and put them in just some really just ridiculous, horrible uh, romantic comedy, and um, it, it doesn't make it good, man. It just doesn't. Uh, you, 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 the material has to be good. you gotta, you got to, you know, come on. And the actors are okay. I mean, I feel bad for the actors. They're all just doing, you know, trying to get their careers on track. Gabrielle Dennis is, is, is a good actor. Um, and uh, Erica Hubbard's a good actor. And Christian Keyes is a good actor. But uh, they're not going to get much traction out of this. So, anyway. And then lastly, I do want to recommend a movie that should have probably had a theatrical release and did not. This is from E1. It's called Twice Born. stars Penelope Cruz and Emil Hirsch. You would think with a cast like that and being directed by uh, Sergio Castellito, the, uh, the awesome Italian actor and uh, sometime filmmaker, that it would have gotten a little bit of traction. He directed Penelope Cruz previously to a Best Actress Award at some festival. Um, and uh, this is actually uh, pretty good. It takes place in Sarajevo, and uh, it's, you know, it, 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 it deals with the war there, and it's just... It's just a really well put together film, and I think it deserved uh, a lot better. So why it didn't get uh, more exposure, I don't know, but it's definitely worth checking out. It's definitely worthy of a cinematic release, theater release, and uh, Twice Born with Penelope Cruz and Emil Hirsch by Sergio Castillito. Definitely check it out. Uh, I'm not a big Emil Hirsch fan, but Penelope Cruz, pretty awesome. Really good. All right, Mark, let's talk about some newish movies. Newish? That's funny. He has look newish. Yes. Uh, it was no uh, Wait, um, um, James Cromwell, who um, I like a lot, yeah. and Genevieve Bougeau, who doesn't mm-hmm. really work a lot mm-hmm. anymore, right? Doesn't really work a lot, don't work much anymore. And uh, Campbell Scott, who never really had the career he should have had, being George C. Scott's son, uh, starred in a movie called Still Mine. Now, I'm not really going to recommend that you go and buy this because, um, you know, it's kind of like who cares. Because it's like James Cromwell, right? But um, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's uh, it is about um, how do I explain this? Uh, it's about this guy who uh, James Cromwell wants to build a bigger home for his wife because her memory's failing, and he wants to do this for her. And so there's a government inspector who tries to thwart the whole thing, and it's that, it's that kind of story. So it's kind of like one man versus the government trying to do this thing for his wife, and it's very sincere, which I liked. The performances are splendid, and it's a nice little movie. I mean, it's really kind of something for your parents because it stars old people. And when I say old people, I mean people more than uh, 40. Yep. <laughs> But um, it's kind of nice. I, it's kind of a nice movie. It's, uh, it, it reminds me a little bit of uh, My Life as a House with Kevin Klein. 
But, yeah. Uh, so it's not bad. It's, it's it's you know it's a tender little movie. It's based on a true story, and uh, you know it's not bad. It's still mine. Now um, we have on three D, two D, Blu-ray, and ultraviolet HD, The Legend of Hercules. Now this is the Rennie Harlan film that stars that stars Kellen Lutz, and I don't know, you know what these these kids from Twilight. They're getting a lot of... Kellen Lutz is in Twilight, right? They're getting a lot of bad advice. You know? Yeah. It's like, why do you do this movie? It can't possibly be good unless, you, unless you're doing it because you know it's going to be cheesy and campy and silly. But I don't think that's a reason to do the movie. I mean, I think what happens is, get this guy Kellen Lutz. He was in Twilight, and but he was like, you know, whatever, fourth banana... And as people say to him, now, Kellen, here's the thing. We can actually get you above the title in a movie. Mm-hmm. You will be a star above the title. Totally. It's Hercules, directed by Rennie Harlan. Rennie Harlan directed, like... R- Rennie Harlan, dude, is, Die like, Hard 2. Nah. I love uh-huh. Die Hard 2. So you're like, oh, my God, you're Kellen Lutch. like, really? Above the, above the title? Me? Rennie Harlan, Die Hard 2, I'm in. Yeah, but Rennie... And, but, it's just, but it winds up being Hercules. It's terrible. And then, uh, and, then, and then he winds up just suffering. You know? Like, these guys get bad advice. They're sold a bill of goods by their people. And by the way, their agents and people who push them to do Her- Hercules, all they don't care whether Kellen Lutz has a 50-year career or, t- or, or, or a two-month career. All they want is their 10%. Maybe it was a package deal. Maybe Rennie's with the same agency. Yeah, well. And meanwhile, Kellen, there who it really is. should be... Like the second or third banana in a good movie with a good director winds mm-hmm. up being above the tile in a piece of crap like Hercules. Speaking of, what was the what was the name of that guy who uh, who was uh, all the rage for a moment in uh, in some movie called Avatar? And he made uh, a Sam Terminator. Sam Worthington. Yeah, I mean, come I on, and, and his dog Spot. Mm-hmm. Wait, eat, eat the, the ice cream. Oh, the ice cream. Thank you. Now that's sorbet. Now it's a little grainy because it's okay. been sitting in my freezer for about a month now. Mm. And so right. uh, <laughs> you don't even care. I don't care. All right, uh, give me another. Uh, oh, okay. Hold on, hold on. Anyway, Hercules okay. is terrible. Oh, yes. Honestly, people, come on. Okay, hold on. Yes, ma'am. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. While I while I eat this, I, while I, while I consume this, while I consume this, while I consume this, I will let you talk about this um, overrated horror film called Mr. Jones. Now, Mr. Which, Jones uh, is not based on the uh, Hooting the Blowfish. No, it, it's it, also it, not based on the uh, Richard Gere film about the guy with the bipolar disorder, which was also called Mr. Jones. This now, is a, this is a horror film. Now, this is... It's really, not bad, but it, but it ain't great. No, it's a piece of junk. It, um, it was John Foster and Sarah Jones. Sarah Jones is on that show, Sons of Anarchy. And uh, uh, Foster and Jones star... They play this couple. They just move to this cabin in the woods and because they want to, you know, escape, you know, urban life and breathe new, new life into their art. And uh, they realize that, like any cabin in the woods... They're not alone. Oh, no, man. It's unbelievable. That's not right. I know. So anyway, this thing takes itself way too seriously. Uh-huh. Um, I actually kind of had to skim through it after a while because I just couldn't take it anymore. Um, it takes itself really seriously, uh, too seriously, and uh, it's not that scary, and it's just kind of confusing, kind of tedious, and the monster or the the, the, the you know the guy who's torturing them is whatever I don't see any sequels there quite frankly no um, so yeah it's bad times Mr. Jones directed by somebody who will never right. direct any, anything else was that good yeah it was good a little icy 
Well, because it's been sitting in my freezer yeah. for like gathering ice crystals it's for okay. the last six weeks. It's okay. It's a protective ice layer. What's that from? The protective ice. Protective ice. Oh my gosh, dude. How can you forget this? Uh, the thing. Mother, Albert Brooks. Oh God, I have The protective ice. Oh my gosh. Me? All right. Uh, great expectations. I thought for sure this was going to get a, a theatrical release here, and nope. No way. Uh, Mike Newell, who's no slouch, man. I mean, Mike Newell's like a major director. Mike Newell directed uh, Enchanted April. He directed a, a Harry Potter film. A terrible Harry Potter film, mind you. But he still directed a Harry Potter film. He's a major British director. He's Mike Newell. He's Four, Mike weddings, Newell. Four weddings Four and a funeral. 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 I mean, give me a break. Anyway, uh, Mike Newell made a, uh, a version of Great Expectations, the uh, uh, Charles Dickens novel, which has a fantastic cast, by the way. I mean, it, you know... It, it's got uh, Helena Bonham Carter as uh, as, as Mrs. Uh, what's her name? Steve. The, no, the, the the creepy old lady in the wedding dress. Steve. Whose name I always forget. Uh, anyway, the, you know, come on, give me a break. It's like, why would you not really just give this a little bit of a, an art house push? Give it, jeez. It's not bad. Not as good as the David Lean film. The David Lean film is still the standard by which they are all measured. Yeah, yeah, David Lean. It is. I mean, that Great Expectations with John Mills is just fantastic. It's just an amazing movie. It's, it's archetypal. I don't know why anyone wanted to. Anyway, Ray Fiennes is in this. Uh, Jeremy Irvine, really, really good. It's, it's got uh, an ultraviolet copy on here, an ultraviolet access, and, uh, I, you know, I just don't know why. It's really high production value. It's nicely done. It's, again, not the best version, but it's certainly a very competent version. And I don't know why they wouldn't. Uh, it's a good-looking Blu-ray. I don't know why they wouldn't. Anyway, that's, that's recommended. And then at the same time, there's another Great Expectations that is the uh, stage production from the uh, West End. Uh, just about a year ago, February of 2013, uh, on Charles Dickens' birthday, February 7th of 2013, uh, the, there was a uh, premiere on the West End of a stage production of Great Expectations. And uh, that is available now on DVD, not Blu-ray, but regular DVD. And it is, uh, it is very nice. Uh, it's a little weird seeing a stage adaptation of the story, but it, it works somehow in a strange, peculiar way. And uh, if, you, if you enjoy the story, I would recommend both of these, by all means. Uh, Veronica Mars. I, I, I got to tell you, Veronica Mars is, is like, here, here was my experience with Veronica Mars. It's like I was invited to a party where everyone knew each other, but I didn't know anybody. Yeah, it's not my thing. That, that's, my, that's my Veronica Mars experience. Uh, it, it didn't... Uh, I never saw the TV show, I, I, so I really don't, I don't know what the whole drill is. But uh, anyway, it's basically Nancy Drew for the millennial generation, yep. right? Yep. There you go. So Not my thing. there's like a whole deal. And they took, they, you know, this was a big, big deal on a Kickstarter, right? There's a Kickstarter and Veronica Mars, and we're going to bring it back. And they kickstarted who knows how much, and I don't know how, they, how it got finished. Anyway, there's, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of PR in that, too. Okay, so uh, Kristen Bell is like some uh, detective girl whose dad used to be a cop and had to become a PI because you know he was framed for some damn thing. It's a whole big prologue that explains the entire backstory. It blows by in about eighteen seconds. I didn't follow it very well. And then some dude that she was a boyfriend. He was her boyfriend on the show. He's like in the Navy now or something, and he's been framed for murdering some woman that was going to be his wife or his girlfriend or something and so she's got to get to the bottom of it and it all centers around their high school reunion so she's got to go back to this little town that doesn't really exist somewhere in California 
Anyway, uh, it's... You realize that, that, this, that after all that Kickstarter very, hullabaloo, this movie's only made $3.3 million. I know. That's it. I know. I, whatever. It's, anyway. It's, a total it's on Blu-ray. It, you know what? If you love the TV show, I'm sure you will love this movie. There's nothing particularly offensive about it, but it's just Nancy Drew. It's just a Nancy Drew murder mystery. And it's really, once it all kind of wraps out, you're like, all right, well, for whatever that was. The budget was $6 million. Jeez. It made three. Oh, my gosh. Really? Yeah. So, you know what? Let's everybody forget the Kickstarter already. Yeah, it's, that's, wow, whatever. Uh, Gimme Shelter. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What? It's, no, it's not the Gimme Shelter you're thinking of. Oh. This is an indie film called Gimme Shelter Dud. with Vanessa Hudgens as Dud. a very troubled young woman Dud. who runs away from her crack and meth head mom, played by Rosario Dawson, Dud. and um, runs to the family of the man who fathered her many, many, many years earlier, oh which my. would be Brendan Fraser. Oh but he's, he's respectable God. now and has a wife and kids and the whole thing, and... She was his youthful mistake, and she's kind of like this, you know, rough kid from the hood and just got out of a bad situation. Uh, and it is essentially a movie about this woman trying to sort of come to grips with her, uh, the, you know, who she is and uh, how he kind of tries to come to grips with the fact that he has this daughter that he, uh, he you know, didn't, he knew about her but hadn't had a contact with until she was an adult. So, anyway, it, it's trying to be this really touching human drama. It partially succeeds not terribly well it's just a little too dark and heavy handed uh, but I'll tell you I give Vanessa Hudgens credit for uh, trying to do something a little different hey come on Spring Breakers uh, yeah this, this is more of a real acting part that's all camp and oh camp. I love Spring Breakers it's I awesome it's crap junk what? anyway this is a uh, Blu-ray and ultraviolet set oh Mark, we love the uh, the Ocean's Eleven and Twelve and Thirteen films, right? We like them. I like them more than I like the original Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, absolutely. Clooney, he's on, right? He's the dude. Yeah, he's the of man. Course. All right, he's married. He's, he's getting married now. I know. It's exciting. That, that, wow. We, like you could not have you could not have built a better fiance. She's like a human rights lawyer who went to Yale. You know, she's, she's thirty seven years old. She's moderately age appropriate. Yeah. You know, at least she's yeah. not like twenty three. Question: Are they going to have kids? That's what I'm wondering. I don't know. Are they going to be little Clooney's? He, lo- he loves well, kids, look, you know. Look, if, if, if Clooney is to Warren Beatty what uh, this woman is to Annette Benning, yeah, you know, finally tamed yeah. the beast. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Beatty's got, uh, got they got kids. Well, speaking of the Art of the Steel, this is one of those Canadian films, one of those t- Canadian tax credit movies that are that are constantly coming out. You know, they like you know how that works, right? There's like tons of money in Canada to make films on on basically a, a, an almost Hollywood budget. So, you know, they'll be able to make it look kind of like a Hollywood studio film for, you know, like maybe $25, $30 million tops. Sometimes 15 looks like 40 And uh, they get maybe two or three Hollywood stars, and they lard the rest of the thing up with, with uh, Canadian actors and a Canadian director. And, and then they, you know, they release it, and it, it winds up getting a little traction outside Canada, and they make their money back. And it's all kind of sort of government-subsidized. Uh, the Art of the Steel is one of those. Most of those movies, like The Colony, they're crap. They're junk. They're horrible. They're just, uh, they're schlocky. They're B. They're maybe a little, maybe B+. This thing is great. This is a terrific freaking movie. I'm going to go online. Uh, uh, online. I'm going to go on the record saying, this is better than Ocean's Eleven. What? This is better than Ocean's Eleven. Better, and it's a very similar soundtrack. So they know, they, they know that they're kind of in that swamp. They know they're in the, in the neighborhood. This is a terrific movie. Absolutely terrific movie. Um... Who would have thought Kurt Russell and uh, Matt Dillon play brothers? They're half-brothers. 
and they're you know longtime partners in crime, and there was you know they they do heists and cons, and there's one that went bad, really really bad, went very south many years earlier, and Kurt Russell wound up in prison. Matt Dillon got off scot free, and years later, Matt Dillon after Kurt Russell's out of prison, Matt Dillon comes roaming back, and I got a thing for you, and he's like, you know what, dude, you no, I'm I'm doing lame motorcycle stunts at carnivals and stuff now. Uh, get out of my life, but. You know, as it happens, they decide, okay, let's try to do this. And it all centers around a rare book, a very rare manuscript. They're going to heist a rare manuscript, right? Okay. Jay Barachel is in this. Uh, Terrence Stamp is terrific in this thing. Terrence Stamp plays like an, uh, an old con man who's been... Uh, it doesn't matter what he plays. Never he's mind. awesome. He's awesome. Anyway, uh, I will give you nothing else. I will just say this is a terrific script. I never got ahead of the script. I usually get ahead of these movies by like minute ten. I can, you know, usually with a movie like this, I'm watching it minute ten. I'm like, that's how it's going to be. This thing, I was, I was glued to it, and so much of the reason I was glued to this is because Kurt freaking Russell is such a great actor. Why do we forget how good he is? He's one of those guys you sort of take for granted. You just take him so for granted. He is so good in this. It is mind-boggling. Like you just kind of take it for granted. You just, you just assume true. that he's great. And that's How it. has Kurt Russell never been Oscar nominated in his life? Because he doesn't take those sort of roles. He is he so take good. Those, he doesn't take those prestige roles. Man, he is good. And he, there's, a, there's something a little bit campy about it. A little bit I'll comical. tell you, man. You watch this. He's, like, he's not like a if serious... You like those, like if you like alcoholic. heist movies and con movies and crime films and you know fast-talking kind of modern noir movies, I, I'll tell you... You will love this movie. It's a, it, it is a fantastic Blu-ray. Uh, it's out from Anchor Bay. It was released by Radius. You know the Weinstein Company's uh, uh, kind of semi-genre line. Man, what a terrific movie! Oh, what a terrific up. movie. No one cares. All right. Okay. Uh, d- I'm, uh, you know, uh, d- d- blah, 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 blah. music. I'll music. You, I'll let you unspool on music before I uh, I uh, do a few docs or something. I'll figure out what I'm going to do. All right, we got some good music stuff this week. Actually, uh, we have um, what is this? Oh, C- that thing! This is a here, CD. Here, give me, give me. No, it's not a CD. Hang, hang on. I, that's yeah. That's uh, it's. It actually has a DVD on it. I'll, I'll, I'll explain this. Uh, we have two comedy. Um, uh, well, we have one comedy Blu-ray, one comedy DVD, both of which I recommend highly. Uh, Jim Gaffigan, obsessed. Now, Jim Gaffigan is really funny. He's, he's the guy. He's he works pretty clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, he's got it, a, he's he's got a strange funny. look, sort of thin, high pitched voice, and he does. He's the uh, the aside comic, where he'll say something, and then, and he'll, then he'll he'll do the voice. He'll the, do the, the voice. Like, why is he standing there like that? He's so pale. <laughs> yeah, he, he's kind of weird, but it's good. No, he's good. Uh, I like Jim Gaffigan a lot, actually. Uh, Seventy minutes of Jim Gaffigan, um, and so it's good. Yep. Gotta love that. Also, Louis Black. Now, this was this was uh, recorded at the uh, Borgata in Atlanta. I hate Atlantic City. Atlanta. You know what? It's funny. You know, we live in Los Angeles, so when we want to go and gamble and, and, and pick up prostitutes, which Way likes to mm-hmm. do a lot, all the time, because uh, we live in the West Coast, we go to yep. Vegas. But if you live in the East Coast, you go to Atlantic City. Atlantic City. I'm telling you, it's an effing dump. I, I, they, <laughs> they should just they should just start over again. You know, they should they should raise all those hotels and the boardwalk and just start over again because compared to Vegas Atlantic City is crap but Louis Black funny obviously very political obviously swears a lot which is whatever uh, he is great so um, I would definitely recommend both Obsessed by Jim Gaffigan and Louis Black Old Yeller 
live at the Borgata in Atlantic City. The other DVD I have, which is very highly recommended, is uh, The Rise and Fall of the Clash. And this is all about the seminal British uh, punk band and how they pretty much changed rock and roll history. They were, they could, as Joe Strummer could barely sing. They were not great musicians, but they were politically astute and they were young and they were loud and they were catchy and they were great. Um, so anyway, this is uh, The Rise and Fall of the Clash. Highly recommended for you rock fans. And uh, there you go. Also, I have to say, Wade, we got some stuff coming out. Yes. That might be interesting to people. Yes. We have uh, my favorite movie of all time, Don't Stop Believing, Every Man's Journey. This is the story of Journey. Yes. And how they found themselves a new lead singer on the internet. It's the strangest on story the internet. ever. Steve Perry, not interested. They wind up uh, seeing this guy on YouTube singing Journey songs. And they hire him. Strangest thing ever. June 30th, that comes out. Also, yep. we have uh, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, the Ultimate Revenge Edition Blu-ray, which I don't really need. Yeah. But it's out there. If you guys want it, July 22nd, the Ultimate Revenge Edition Blu-ray of Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Uh, also, there's uh, May 27th, How to Train Your Dragon, which I liked a lot, actually. How to Train Your Dragon Collector's Edition Blu-ray which is, you know, coming mm-hmm. out in anticipation of How to Train a Dragon 2, which hopefully will save DreamWorks Animation. Um, also, Arrow is uh, releasing two Bob Hoskins films. But it's, so, it's so sad that now he's both gone. The, no. Man, it's so sad that he's gone. That's I, true. I, I mean, I know he's, he's been technically gone for a while, but it just breaks my heart. He was just one of a kind, yep. you know? Long Good Friday and Mona Lisa both yeah. being released by Arrow. And then, uh, oh, Hard Day's Night on the UK being released on Blu-ray for nice. UK fans. And uh, I think that was kind of yeah. all I wanted to spring up of interest. Uh, yep, that's it. All right. Rock and roll. What do you got, Wade? What's next? And then also on the music front, uh, Little Feet, live in Holland, 1976. Uh, that's Little Feet, F-E-A-T. Lame. Uh, are you a fan? You're, you're not a fan of Little Feet, no. are you? I no. can't remember. Thanks. Anyway. No. All right, well, anyway, uh, Lil George and Bill Payne constitute Little Feet, which was uh, one of those late 60s, early 70s uh, acts that um, was short, relatively short-lived because Lil George died in 1979. And uh, anyway, this is a CD-DVD combo set, so it, uh, it, it harkens all back to that uh, 1976 moment when they were in Holland, performing in Holland. Uh, again, unless you like their stuff, probably won't mean much to you. Um, but uh, for the money, it, it, it's not bad. It's a DVD and a CD in one CD jewel box, and uh, you know, it's a it, for for fans of this group. I know it's kind of marginal, but it's a, it was a it was a seminal moment. Go go watch the rise and fall of the Clash. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna blow, blow through some docs uh, before we get on to television and some other stuff. Um, okay. Uh, there's a uh, documentary filmmaker slash cinematographer named Peter Mettler, and he is the man. Uh, he's, you're you're going to obviously compare him to, you know, it's, he's not like Godfrey Reggio and, and, the, and the, you know, the Koyana Scotsy guys, and it's not really his, that's not his, his scene particularly, though he's often compared to them. But we've got a couple of his films here that are absolutely great. Picture of Light is wonderful, absolutely wonderful. I have never seen the Aurora Borealis. I probably never will see the Aurora Borealis because I'd have to go to some horrible, godforsaken cold place in the Arctic to actually see it. But I feel like I've seen it. And uh, this is just absolutely wonderful. And it, it, um, 
includes obviously uh, you know it, the surroundings. You want to know who lives up there, who sees this, and so that, and that's all part of this tapestry as well. And it's just absolutely wonderful. Um, y- you've never seen a f- quite such a poetic documentary about such a uh, an extraordinary natural phenomenon. And then he also brings that extraordinary sense of visual uh, visual poetry to a movie called The End of Time, Everything Begins Now, which is um, basically just a, he tries to encapsulate all of our planet, all of humanity and all of time and all of culture into this one globe-trotting movie, and it's just fantastic. You go to the most amazing places, uh, just kind of picks these little, puts little pins on the planet in places that you would think, well, that's not going to be interesting, and yet it winds up being just an extraordinary little little moment, a little gem. It's really, really great. And it tries to sort of suggest that there is something that holds the entire planet together, very much like Koyana Skatsi, but in a, in, a, in, a, in a much more accessible way. So those are fantastic. Uh, Mercedes Sosa is a legendary Argentine uh, singer. And, uh, you know, just for, for over a half century was just, a, uh, you know, an exceptional uh, Figure just giant, towering all through Latin America, um, and uh, very few folk singers have actually risen to that level. And this is a documentary called Mercedes Sosa: The Voice of Latin America by Rodrigo H. Villa, that is basically all about uh, you know uh, who she was and why she was important, and it's uh, it's it's pretty great. Uh, even better, I think, is the Curse of the Gothic Symphony. Uh, I have never. I am a big classical music fan. I love classical music. Cannot get enough of classical music. I've never. It's bizarre to me. Why, why? do you love classical music? Because I, I, I studied piano when I was a kid. I was exposed to it. My mother loved classical. My father loved classical. You know, you, you, it's just it's in my blood. But I've never heard of Havergal Brian, a British composer who wrote uh, a symphony, his first symphony, which is considered like the most unplayable thing in history because it's just it's it's ridiculous. You have to have two full orchestras, four brass bands, and five choirs. To perform this thing, it's like this. He's one of those typical British twists. Like I'm going to write a piece of music that no one will ever perform because they're never going to be able to find a place big enough to put that many people. And if they do, there won't be anyone left to be in the audience. I'm just going to defy humanity. So that's what he did. Let me repeat that: two orchestras, four brass bands, five choirs. How, how do you do that? Anyway, this is about this is this is about a group of people who are determined to actually perform it. And it's like it, it takes two hours to perform, and it's, it's just it, it's really freaking interesting. And uh, it's called The Curse of the Gothic Symphony, and it's really, really good. That's great. Way. And uh, from the same company, those are both, all those films I just mentioned are from First Run Features. Uh, this is not a documentary, but it is also from First Run Features. It's worth uh, mentioning. It's a Belgian film, uh, only about an hour and a half long, called The Brownian Movement by a very, very talented filmmaker named Nanook Leopold. And uh, really, you know, there are a lot of movies out there, most of them from France, all about sex and relationships and uh, usually about, uh, you know, female sexuality and, and all this kind of stuff. This is probably the best one I've seen in years, and that's saying a lot. So um, this, is a, this is about a woman who is a doctor uh, who leads a double life where she basically whores herself to patients. Yeah, and, and uh, it is boy, it's it's daring and fascinating and very very uh, nicely put together. Um, also, real quickly, last three here, I want to mention the trials of Muhammad Ali. Uh, is a um, 
is essentially about the uh, the moment when Ali went from being Cassius Clay to Ali when he converted to Islam and wouldn't serve in the Vietnam War, and you know there's I was like this, this you incendiary say moment. Ali is a terrorist. It's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, anyway, this is a, so this is a look back at that entire moment in time, and it's uh, it's if for people who aren't familiar with it, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, it's not you know uh, an extraordinary doc in style, but. It's definitely great subject matter and very nicely put together. And then to Chris Marker, an unsent letter is uh, a, a love letter documentary by a filmmaker named Emiko Omori, who just loves um, Chris Marker. And you, you, if you don't know about Chris Marker, Chris Marker, of course, is the uh, reclusive French filmmaker who made La Jete, which is a source material for um, Monkeys. 12 Monkeys. But La Jete, yeah, La Jete is all still images and voiceover. I mean, it's, a, it's you know... Well, uh, so is 12 Monkeys. There's 24 still images every second. Yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, That's good. I know, I like 12 Monkeys. No, no, I'm saying 12 Monkeys is also still images. There's 24 still images every second. I get that. Thank that you. Was funny. I, that was that was very funny. Thank you. Chris Marker is also famous for his uh, his little cat uh, drawing obsessions, and uh, that's a whole different subject that we can get into. But anyway, so this is uh, basically a um, a a you know love letter uh, film to. Um, to uh, Chris Marker and uh, not, what's weird is that almost nobody has actually talked about Chris Marker from a documentary standpoint before so here you go David Thompson and Tom Luddy and uh, Michael Schamberg and a lot of other really interesting people including David Peoples who wrote 12 Monkeys all show up in here and uh, you, know the, the, you, you, you know there's going to be a 12 Monkeys uh, show series. yes I know and you know who the showrunner is on that uh, uh, Star Wars Natalie Chides oh, what, Natalie Chides Good grief. Really? Yes. Natalie Chidas. You have no... You, you, haven't, you no, met, you've, wait, you've, wait. haven't you met Natalie? Natalie Chidas? You had to have met Natalie at I one of my parties or something. About. No, I do you're talking about. Natalie's like one of my closest friends from film school. She's the showrunner on that series. Oh, is the, uh, you know what? Actually, I do remember you talking about a girl named Natalie. But okay. You, but you, you never said her last name. Okay, well, that's... That's not much. She's the she's the showrunner on that. She's Is that been right? she's yeah she's been a you know TV writer for years and years and years on on tons of shows. She was one of the head writers on on uh, Heroes when it was on. In that case, I wish the show yes. well. Heroes had you know a, a a a problem with the writing staff at the time, which is that they had veteran TV writers and then a bunch of comic book guys who didn't know how to write screenplays. But they were supposed to you know bring the hero, and the TV writers were supposed to bring the drama, and it was supposed to mesh, and it never really meshed as well as I think anybody wanted it to. But anyway, so that's what that's uh, that's Natalie's new gig. Yay, now Yay, I hope it does gangbusters. Yay, now it does boffo business. I still remember sitting in the bullpen editing our projects together. She Don't was like over there. Yeah, I was wait, up there hey, and, wait, what's that noise? And then, oh, is and that you dropping? Name dropping, yeah. And then, it, it, seriously, I'm not kidding you. So, this was, this was here's, let me, let me give you first year film school, okay? So, um, Alexander Payne is the production PA for one class. And then, um, what are you looking at me like all. Nothing. Okay. I'm, right. I'm listening right. rapt. I have rapt attention. Okay, very good. So, anyway. Uh, yes. <laughs> Fine. Okay, so anyway, you remember we talked to, to my PA, John, uh, John Reese, who, who, was the, uh, who made that documentary uh, on graffiti uh, right. a, few, a few weeks That's ago. Right. Okay, so John was PA for our class, and Norman was in that class with me. Right. That's where I met Norman. And then Natalie was in the class that had Alexander Payne as their PA. And then, literally, it was like after the first weekend of shooting, our first project, Natalie's the first person in the bullpen. Bam, she's right there. She's cutting her project. She's shooting stuff. She was just she was aggressive. She was already on top of it. And I was the second person in. 
And then uh, I, I came in, I think, like, maybe a, she, she was in on, like, Sunday. She started on Sunday, and I think it was Monday I started cutting my stuff. And by Monday evening, guess who comes walking in with just, like, boatloads of, of uh, just armfuls filled with crap that he shot over the weekend? Muhammad Ali. Norman. <laughs> I mean, and, and look, we all shot stuff, you know, but, you, you, you don't, but Norman shot, like, ten times as much film as anybody else. He shot like more film in his opening weekend than anybody shot on the rest of their projects in all of film school. Because he, he ran around with a camera going, dude. <laughs> he just he shot so much awesome. stuff. I could not believe how much film he came in with. It's like, are you serious? Like, how did you have time for that? And he's, you know, it was Zach he was shooting. He was running around shooting Zach. Uh, we'll go back in the day. Zach yeah. was like a handsome leading man type. Yeah. I saw Zach the other night. Yeah. Uh, Zach, not a handsome leading man type anymore. Anyway, this is all inside stuff. People listening to the podcast are tuning out now. Last documentary I'm going to make mention of before Mark uh, unleashes on television. This is from Icarus uh, Films Home Video. Is Far From Vietnam. And uh, Far From Vietnam is an amazing... Speaking of Chris Marker, Far From Vietnam is an amazing collaboration from 1967 uh, that included... Are you ready for this? Jean-Luc Godard. Uh, Joris Ivans, William Klein, Claude Lelouch, Chris Marker, and, and Al- Alain Rene. Lame. And uh, it is just, it is a, it is a legendary documentary, um, basically uh, shot in Vietnam and at uh, American anti war uh, protests. And um, it features interviews with a, a variety of people. I won't give any of the names away because as they show up in the film, you just kind of go, hmm, that's interesting. And uh, forget about politics. Forget about whether or not your politics may conform with the, the, this film in particular. You have to put it in as a snapshot in time. It is a fascinating, fascinating film, and it is a legendary film. And uh, anyone who is interested in the subject or those filmmakers must see this movie. No, so. no, no. Let me tell you something. What? In a month, you realize that one of my all-time favorite documentaries is being released by Criterion. And that would be what? Hearts and Minds. Yes, I know. Hearts and Minds, baby. I know. I am all over that. Very so true. Very good. true. Anyway, speaking of so good, how about the Many Lives of Dobie Gillis season three? Now, this um, this show is really only famous for two reasons. One is it's one of the, it's one of the first shows, if not the first show, maybe that uh, for sitcoms. This thing ran from like I think fifty nine to sixty three. Yeah, one of the first shows, if not the first shows, the first sitcom to actually have teenagers as the main characters. You know, it was always father the sure, best, and the sure. major mother, and the father. This one starred, uh, you know, Dobie and Maynard, played by, of course, uh, our favorite pot smoker, Bob Denver. Yeah. Our favorite pot smoker. You know, Bob Denver and Don Wells had this weird, like, little pot party thing going on. You know that, right? Uh, during Gilligan's Island? No, no, no. This is like in the year 2000s. I mean, he, uh, Bob Denver died in 2005. But, right. And Don Wells is still around. Yeah. But they had, like... Bob Denver, huge pot smoker, right? Yeah, we know that. He was pulled over, right? Don Wells also pulled over for pot smoking. Yeah. Now, when, when Bob Denver was pulled over for, for pot smoking, yeah. this was like in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. He had originally told the cops he had gotten the pot from Don Wells. <laughs> really? Yes. And then when he actually had, and then when they like deposed him or he was in court, like he had to say oh, it for real. That's great. He didn't mention her name when he was actually in court. Oh, that's too Talk, funny. You know, testifying as to where he got Great. the pot. But originally told the cops he got it from Don Wells. And Don Wells was also a pothead. Don Wells was pulled over for like for that's swerving fantastic. in her lane when she was driving and she was that's uh great. you know, she was on pot. And you anyway, know the only reason they were able to afford it was because they uh they they because, you know, Jim Backus lent them some money. Yeah, you know, this is before See, uh, they were pulled over for smoking pot, and on the other hand, uh the professor was pulled over for a for a smoking pot. 
that turn out to be a, 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 a bomb. A, a lie detector or something Yeah, like that. yeah whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where that was the, going. The bridge okay, was out on. on the road to comedy. It was. Anyway, uh, Dobie Gillis, uh, season three, tell your parents. Yeah. Uh, also, season four, Rookie Blue. This is some. Uh, this is some. This is a. It's on ABC. It's a Canadian show, which means it's 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 like a it's like a retarded brother of an American TV yeah. show. Like an American TV cop show. It's badass. Gets it done. Canadian shows, a little retarded. Oh, dude. Yes. Right now. This moment. Literally ten minutes ago. Yes. Do you know what news just broke? Uh, what. This is breaking news. Never happens while we're on the uh, while we're doing a podcast. Wait, this wait, is the first me, time ever breaking news has happened while we're doing is a podcast. CNN.com? Spe- as long as we're talking about television, this plugs in perfectly. Uh, it's too bad we're not talking about uh, Seventy Seven Sunset Strip or the FBI. Um, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. just passed away at age seventy. Uh, not at age seventy seven. At Seventy Seven Sunset Strip, he had to be like eighty or something. How old was oh, he? Ephraim Zimbalist. Ninety five. Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Ninety five. Rock him. on, dude. Oh my gosh. Good for him. He died at his home in Solvang. He lived in Solvang. Solvang's wearing, a cool wearing, wearing wooden shoes. Yeah. No, no. I don't know. Wow. Right, Laverne and Shirley, final... By the way, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., cool. Yeah, sweet. He's cool. Most, <laughs> I can't remember what comic. There was a comic who said, you know, you know who's, uh, whose parents la- completely lacked imagination? The parents of Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., why is that? Because it's Junior. It's like, I mean, it's a joke. It's an unusual name, and they decided to give it to him. Oh, All right. Wow, awesome. bummer. That is true. He's cool. Yeah. Uh, he definitely had a moment in the 70s. No doubt about it. Anyway, um, we have also on DVD, not Blu-ray, the final season of Laverne and Shirley. That means that this is from 1983. Yeah. The show is kind of running out of steam at that point, but uh, what are you going to do? It uh, the last season was um, had some decent guest stars, including uh, Hugh Hefner. But at this point, I think that the um, the inspiration was gone. Uh, so there you go. So that's uh, Laverne and Shirley final season. I would only get this obviously if you're a complete and total Laverne and Shirley completist. Otherwise, pass on that. Right. A couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, Little House on the Prairie Season 1. Now we have Little House on the Prairie Season 2. I'm yuck, glad, yuck, that they're yuck, releasing these, glad they're releasing these quickly as opposed to what they used to do. Um, so anyway, it's good. And again, the great thing about these is that all the episodes are broadcast length because yep. over the years they, are, they get syndicated and they get chopped up so there's more commercial time. But here in, the, in these uh, Blu-rays, they get them back to... Now back then, back in the day, you know, like a one-hour show was like, you know... 52 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays, a one-hour show is like 38 minutes or some ridiculous right. amount. So you get, a lot more, you get a lot more bang for your buck on, on these older shows that are restored to broadcast length. So uh, good stuff. A little House in the Prairie season two. I, I, when I was a kid, I, I, did, I did like this show. Well, that's nice. <laughs> I, I, you, know, you don't even know what I said. I, it's a little house in the prairie, man. I, I just I can't. I can't. All right. So uh, here's what else is happening this week on, uh, on television. Uh, you know the China Beach show uh, that I always rant about Yon. is, uh, is season Yon. three. It's in, in, they're releasing the individual seasons now, and season three is out, and season three is awesome, and includes a uh, cast and crew episode commentaries and interviews, and uh, it is awesome. It's just, it's just, I love this show. It just doesn't get better than this, and um, season three is really where this show just gets deep and it just gets hard. And uh, wow, I mean, it's such an amazing show. So if you've never seen it, you got to see it. But start with season one because it, it's there is an arc to the whole series. It's that's really extraordinary. Uh, the big deal this week, the really really big deal, Mark. Yes. 
Blu-ray releases of the first seasons from CBS and Paramount of The Andy Griffith Show, The Honeymooners, Classic 39 Episodes, and I Love Lucy. Uh, The Honeymooners, Classic 39 Episodes, of course, this is just all in one set. This is a a full five-disc set that uh, includes some of those amazing episodes that we all grew up with, at least that I grew up with. And i got to tell you, in HD, it's a little weird because this was all, you know, uh, kinescope originally. And it's a little weird seeing that stuff converted to HD. And I'm not sure that, they, that it... I, I'll get more to this later. You, you, you realize, that I, I think I said this last time, I'm yeah. distantly related to the director of The Honeymooners. I know you said that. That's so sweet. Now, what's funny is that actually my father yeah. once did a, a family tree, right? He printed uh-huh. it out, went to Ancestry.com. And Frank Satinstein, my grandmother's maiden name was Satinstein, uh, Frank Satinstein, not in my father's family tree, but my father's family tree, I don't think was broad enough to encompass I the see. more medium to long yes. distance relations of sure. which Frank Satinstein would be to me. Right. But you can actually trace Mark Lawrence Kaiser to the director of The Honeymooners. Pretty awesome. Well, here's the other thing. Andy Griffith Show and I Love Lucy. Dud. As long as I'm moving away from all of your narcissistic name-dropping. Oh, come on. You um, name-dropped uh, the, the yeah, Alexander Payne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't get my name dropped. Uh, the, these were shot on film. And I Love Lucy, of course, you know, was shot by a legendary uh, silent film, you know, German uh, expressionist cinematographer. So, you know, it was... Uh, and, and by the way... Not to go too far afield, you know what the big de- people look at these shows today and they're like, oh yeah, three ca- three camera comedies. You realize when I Love Lucy was was shot as a three camera show, they did not have zoom lenses, they did not have everything all linked and uh, and and uh, you know interconnected and uh, you know some guy in a booth looking at all the different cameras and doing you know take camera one take it. That did not happen. This was this was shot on film. With separate cameras that did that all had a, a, a fixed focal length lens. It had to be edited after the fact, and the honeymooners, of course, was live. That was kinescope. But with I Love Lucy, if you wanted a close up of Lucy, that camera guy had to know that when that part of the script came, he had to, you know, he had to truck in and hit his mark and be on focus because the second that Lucy delivered that line, as it was all, you know, in live time. He had to have her. He, that shot was going to otherwise it was going to be ruined. I mean, it was the uh, the camera work choreography on I Love Lucy is breathtaking. I mean, people don't understand how difficult it was to do. That show is amazingly put together. I disagree. Anyway. You know why? Because today we have the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, whatever. And that's even better. So here's the thing. Um, all these shows are great. These are all legendary television shows. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna review the content of the shows. I, what I'm gonna say is that on on HD. Yes, I can't help but recommend this stuff because it's the best quality you're ever going to see. However, none of these shows, especially I Love Lucy, were shot intending for people to see them in that high resolution. I remember when I, when I, I saw uh, The Adventures of Robin Hood in, uh, in a 2K projection. And the Warner Brothers guy was telling us, he's like, we restore these things at 4K, but we don't recommend people necessarily look at it at 2K. And the problem with The Adventures of Robin Hood was that when it got to super high resolution, you realize that, that they never intended for it to be that resolution. It was shot because they knew what the film was going to give them and that it would hide the fact that the chain mail was actually spray-painted sweaters and that the trees were fake. And you can see all that in high def. When you go to 4K, when you really, really... But they printed it for projection at a much foggier, murkier resolution because they knew that they could hide all the artifice. 
So I think there's some of that problem here as well. Isle of Lucy is, you, you can see, honestly, Desi Arnaz has the worst teeth in the world. Those are like cigarette and coffee brown nasty teeth. And he, he, he's got bad complexion, and Lucy's complexion isn't good. You can tell they're both smokers, which I'll, I'll touch on in a second in a second. And suddenly you're very aware of the fact that I never was meant to see these people in high def. They shot this show in 35 to be seen on a little tiny black and white television in the early 1950s that, that would hide all the flaws. And for that reason, I, I'm going to say, even though I want people to double dip all this stuff, don't get rid of your, your DVDs. Your regular DVDs are still going to give you a much truer representation of how the show was meant Who to be is seen. Who's going to own two versions of I Love Lucy? I will. Yeah, well, it's because you get them all for free. Yeah, well, whatever. Anyway, the, look, here's the other also, thing. Here's also, the other thing that's yeah. awesome. You get to see these. Uh, uh, they, they have not only the actual regular broadcast versions. There's three different versions of every episode on here. But you see the original, not, not just like the, the, the ones that we're familiar with from the reruns with the, you know, da-da-da and the heart and the whole thing. The original openings. The cigarette openings. Yeah. Right? With the whole sponsor and, the, and then the breaks That's and the Lucy's best. there with Desi Arnaz and they're smoking and we love it. And they're just, I mean, going at it. All of that cigarette stuff. That was That's all here. So you get to see the original shows as they were originally aired the first time, which I'd never seen before. And it's, it's kind of horrifying. You sort of, you're like, oh my gosh, it's like, this, this is just a poison society. Hey, let's cancer. Cancer brings you tonight's episode. Uh, we hope you, you know. Tonight's episode a, brought to you by cancer. Brought to you by somebody with a hole in their throat in 30 years. It's just, it's. Yeah, well, the Blu-ray also anyway. has the original pilot. Yep. Which is great. It has uh, some episodes of Lucy's um, radio series. Yep. My favorite husband. Yep. And uh, it's good. There's, some, there's audio commentary. Now, when they say audio commentary by Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, it's yes. interviews that are older interviews that are pieced together Correct. and laid on to the episode. Correct. So there are audio commentaries, quote unquote, by uh, Lucy and uh, Desi Arnaz. All right, Mark, uh, we're getting close on the end of time here. I want to, uh, there's a movie coming out soon. A there studio is? film. Yes, there's a studio film coming out soon. Hey, just one. One studio film. Wow. And uh, it's, uh, it's got a great big monster in it. Do you know what film I'm talking about? Uh, I am not talking about the, uh, the Melissa McCarthy movie. So, no. Oh. The other big monster. Godzilla. That's It's going right. to be awesome. Yes. It's going to be awesome. Okay. So, Godzilla's awesome. coming out. You're, you're looking forward to it. I'm, yeah, it's going to be mad. Wade. Okay. Wait, can, can I tell you what yeah. it's going to be? What's it going to be? Awesome. Okay. So, because Godzilla's coming out, everybody is dumping their Godzilla library. They're like, all right, let's piggyback on this. Get some Godzilla action. I don't know if this is going to do anything for anybody, but here's, here's what we got. In short order. Uh, Mill Creek is, uh, is giving us the uh, Godzilla the Series 40 animated episodes of the Godzilla series from television, which I never saw, which I never knew even existed. Not very good. Godzilla as a television character, I really don't understand the point of this. Uh, I really don't. Anyway, but it, it, there it is. It, and it even has two unaired episodes. So uh, it's, it's, you know, the animation's meh, but it, it just doesn't make any sense. Godzilla's not a TV character. The, you, you, it's, I just don't get it. You know, I play Godzilla with my daughter. Have I mentioned this? Uh, let me guess. You grit your teeth and you put your hands out and go, no, no. Like I, she doesn't know how to build anything with blocks, but I do. So I will build things with blocks, and then I will say to her, I will say, sweetheart, look, it's the biggest building in Tokyo. And she smiles, and she comes over, and she knocks it down. She knows how to play Godzilla. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that yeah. you know how to build things with blocks? I do. 
Impressive, right? What, what don't you know, Ed? I, very little. Okay. And then uh, we got uh, two other sets of Godzilla movies. Uh, the first one here is from the... Uh, i got to get the name of the... the uh, i got to get the name of the releasing company correct. Kraken Releasing. You see, I, I, release the Kraken, Kraken exactly. Releasing. Kraken Releasing. That is good comedy way. It's pretty good, right? Anyway, Kraken uh, Releasing uh, is responsible for these. And these are all original Godzilla movies. And the, the American and the Japanese titles are on, the, uh, are on the, the front here because you get to watch this in English or in Japanese. You have your choice. Uh, Godzilla on Monster Island, otherwise known as Godzilla vs. Gigan. Uh, you have Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster, otherwise known as Godzilla vs. Hedera. I like Hedera better. If I, were, if I were a Smog Monster, I'd want people to call me Hedera. It just sounds cooler, right? And then we have Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster, otherwise known as Ebira, Horror of the Deep. And all of these are original uh, cheesy Japanese Godzilla movies, a guy in a suit with really bad special effects and uh, horrible terrorized small Japanese children. Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster, arguably my favorite of the bunch because it's just it's utterly ridiculous. But Godzilla on Monster Island is, is one that a lot of people love because it's just a lot of people in suits walking around. Um, the Toho Godzilla collection comes to us from Sony, and these are all double features. And, uh, again, they're likewise, they're all terrible, but they're all really good Blu-ray. These are all Blu-rays, by the way, with the exception of the Godzilla uh, television series. Uh, one of them is Godzilla uh, vs. Mechagodzilla 2 and Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla. Are you, it's like, wow, really? There's a Space Godzilla? Those are just utterly ridiculous. Uh, Godzilla vs. the Destroyer, uh, or Destroya, and Godzilla vs. Megaguirus. Is, those are both kind of uh, just ridiculous and stupid. Uh, Godzilla Final Wars and Godzilla Tokyo SOS, like the, the other, every time Godzilla attacks, it isn't Tokyo SOS. And uh, then actually, these are the two that I think are worth getting. If you're only going to get one out of all of these, you want to get Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, which is the, you know, the three-headed thing, and then Godzilla and Mothra, the battle for Earth, because uh, what's more terrifying than a giant moth? And then... Just because they uh, feel like it's not fair for Godzilla to get all the attention, um, we also have from uh, from Mill Creek two four movie collections: uh, Gamera Volume One and Gamera Volume Two. Uh, which in there's four movies on each of these, so eight Gamera movies altogether: Gamera the Giant Monster versus Baragon versus Gaios versus Virus versus Jiger, Guiron, Zegra, the Super Monster. They're all it's the same thing. He's a giant turtle. Mark. He's a giant yes, turtle. Yes, that's fantastic. Gamera, he's a giant turtle. He's a, he's a turtle monster. That movie's going to be awesome. There you go. All right, and uh, that should do it, Mark. We're done this week. Yay. So, all right. With that, everybody, uh, Mark, do we have any, are, are, we, are we even going to, have we given up on having a, an outro? Oh, you know, we, uh, we did dabble with that. I thought we had one we liked, but uh, it never we? really gained any traction. Well, if our listeners would like to email us at gods at digigods.com or outros. hit up the Facebook page, we can revisit the outro situation. Yeah. All right. And meanwhile, uh, hit us with emails or Vox boxes. Please send us your Vox boxes. Uh, we, we like them at gods at digigods.com. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.